your seat. We're going to continue on. Thanks for sitting in the middle. All right. Hey, good morning, everyone. My name is Stephanie. I'm one of the pastors here. I met a couple people who were here for the first time. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, about 115 of people in our community are up north in McGregor, Minnesota, having what we call our winter getaway. And so right now, this is the only day that we're a multi-site campus. So you're at Mill City South Campus. Welcome. And right now, in the very same time, we're having a worship service up there. And it's also with uh, North City Church, which is the church plant that we had the privilege of being a part of starting in 2019, which has just been a blast. So I got back a little bit after midnight last night, which is not like necessarily like a confession. It's just a warning. Um, that's all. So I'm so glad to be with you all here today. It was really fun. Mark your calendar next year. It's always the same weekend in January. We'd love to have you. A lot of folks that were coming up, getting to know people for the first time. It's a great way to get to know people. But I'm so glad to be back here with you all too today. Um, I love this question. What is the best news you've heard all week? I actually did hear a lot of good news this week. But one of the best pieces of news that I heard um, is something that you're hearing right now. And that is that these speakers have been installed here in this school this week. Okay, some people are going, do we always clap for speakers at this church? Okay, what's happening is, is that over the last couple of years, we've been working with the Minneapolis Public Schools District to gift them this sound system in this room. And because it's a state-of-the-art sound system, most of what it makes it so amazing, you can't even see. But what it means is that not only can we use these speakers right now, and there's no speakers for me to trip over that usually are sitting here, but it means that the school can use these every single day. And they're in this room with the kids, right where you're sitting every single day. And now there's an opportunity for them to have speakers that work, which has not been the case since we've been worshiping here for 11 years. And so we're so grateful. That's why we're clapping for speakers. I know. Best news. Best news of the week. Um, and also, you'll notice up here, there's two projectors. And that's because Tony, uh, one of our staff members, snuck in here and installed a second projector so that the school also has a projector that works for them without having to cross the wires with where our, ours goes and everything like that. So we're just making it happen around here, all to say we love this community in the name of Jesus. So we're super grateful. Thank you so much to all of you who gifted financially to be able to afford this amazing sound system for the school and for, and for our church too. And I just thought the, the worship team sounded awesome, didn't they? Through those speakers? Yeah. You're like, I didn't even notice the difference. It's because they're so awesome and now it's just amazing. So you're also not getting your ears blasted out right here, which is really good. Um, we're finishing up this first series of the year, but this year we're doing something interesting, and that is we're going through the entire New Testament in a year. And so this is something we've never done before here at Mill City, but we're going to go through uh, book by book and uh, in the order that it's in, in the Bible, and we're going to talk through different chapters, uh, different, different books in different ways. And so we're finishing the fourth week on the book of Matthew right now. And what we're trying to say this whole year is what does it look like for us to let the story of Jesus be the narrative that is the guiding narrative of our life? There's going to be a lot of stories that come at us this year. There's a lot of things that are happening in the world, obviously. Some are good. A lot are really tough. But what does it look like for us to say the story of God? Or with our kids, we often say the big God story is the one that is going to define who we are as we engage and encounter all the other narratives and all the other stories throughout this year. And so today we actually have our elementary kids with us here in worship and our junior high students who are always here. We're so grateful to have you. We love having our kids with us. We see you kids as our church now. You're not the church of the future. You're not the future of the church. You are our church. And we're so grateful that you get to have time in kids worship a lot of weeks, but we love having you here with us. So we're so glad that you're here. And um, I brought a really cool video at one point, so it'll be fun. It's going to be great. 
So um, let's jump in today as we finish up this story uh, of, of Matthew, and then we're going to start with Mark next week. And I just want to put on the screen, we have a website where you can go, millcitychurch.com slash NT2020, and there's a reading list. Join in. Read the New Testament with us this year. Um, we've got it broken down where you can read just a little bit each week, and I even put a little video on there where you can watch me talking through my favorite apps to have the Bible read to you in different accents. Okay? Check it out. So we'd love for you to join in. The first list is up there. Uh, Let's pray, and then we're going to jump into our final conversation this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are present in this place. Jesus, that you tell us that you will be with us. You will always be with us. That you are Emmanuel, not just last month when we were celebrating Christmas, that you are the with us God, that you are still with us today, and that we can know that you are present in this room but also that you're going to be able to be present here in this school. God, we pray that you would be present as the kids come back to school this next week. God, we thank you for Sheridan and for their hospitality, and we pray that you would bless them in Jesus' name. And we ask that because you are the with us, God, that you'd be speaking to each of us this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so I'm going to start out by a little confession. I've gotten a little bit interested in how to make my house into a smart home, okay? Yeah, I'm not going to ask anyone else to confess if they've become somebody with the smart speakers and all the things, but we do have an Amazon Alexa, and I know that that means that more than Alexa's probably listening to me and my husband have pointless theological debates or whatever we're talking about, but um, I like it because I can just say, hey, Alexa, give me the news and things like that. So I've, I've learned, just because we've just recently gotten this Alexa, that you can talk to Alexa and you can ask her to give you good news. Have you seen this? You can say, hey, Alexa, give me some good news. And what happens is that I say, hey, Alexa, give me some news. And then Alexa talks about the news for 20 minutes, and most of the news is not good. And then you say, hey, Alexa, can you give me the good news? And it's 30 seconds, okay? And it's like one story a day. And so today, I was like, well, let's see what the good news is today. And so I caught up this morning. I'm kind of groggy, pouring my coffee. And I was like, Alexa, give me some good news. I thought maybe I should start with the good news this time, the 30-second good news. And Alexa just launches right into the normal news. And I'm like, Alexa, stop. Alexa, give me the good news. She launches right into the normal news. And I'm like, Alexa. And we go back and forth five times until I gave up because I don't know. I'm not telling her the right thing. I don't know. So I, I had the opportunity to listen to the, the, the updates of the stats of this deadly Wuhan virus five times. Okay, That's what actually happened when I was trying to get the good news from Alexa. So I've got a little ways to go in trying to figure this out. But what I, what I appreciate about Alexa this morning is that she helped prove my point, okay? Which is that there is a lot of bad news. And it's not something that's shocking to anybody in this room that there's a lot of bad news coming at us all the time. But what I do notice is that even though Alexa has 20 minutes of usually not so good news and 30 seconds of good news, I appreciate that good news even more in the midst of the bad news. Have you noticed how much you appreciate some good news even more when you're in the midst of a tough season, when there's a lot of bad news happening around you? I think this is something that's really true. And in this big God story, or in the story of God, when Jesus comes into the story, Jesus is coming in the midst of a lot of really bad news. There's been a lot of bad news for a long time. The people of God have been struggling to figure out what it looks like to follow Yahweh, to follow God, in the midst of being people who are oppressed, people who are being wrongly uh, treated, they're being uh, high, high taxes, and then if somebody wants more money, they just have to give it to them out of fear for their life. They're people who don't have a voice anywhere in the places of authority. The people of God have been going through a lot for hundreds of years. And so what we realize is happening is that when you look back, we're talking about hindsight 2020, so when you look back at the story of God, you can see things a little bit differently. When you look back at the story of God, 
A few hundred years before Jesus, Isaiah, a prophet, was speaking to God's people. And a lot of what Isaiah said was foretelling what was going to happen when Jesus came. And so each of these weeks, these last few weeks, we've been talking about what the prophet Isaiah said and how now you can look back through the cross, through Jesus, and see how what he was saying was becoming true in Jesus, and then also how Jesus is talking about what will become true in the future. And so I'm going to read one part of Isaiah today, this foretelling of Jesus coming in Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. I'll have it up on the screen for you. Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, this is what the prophet said a couple hundred years before Jesus, or more than a few hundred years before Jesus came. Uh, probably six or seven hundred years. This is what he was saying to the people. Um, For a few different things has been said right before this, but I'm going to jump in at verse six. For unto us a child is born. We hear this in the Christmas season. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Do you hear that word kingdom here? That God's kingdom is going to have a new king. Hundreds of years before Jesus, this kingdom was going to be the one where where Jesus came to reign as this new king of this kingdom. And what we're seeing here is that it's going to be a very different kind of kingdom. When you hear all this language of Isaiah, the kingdom of God or the reign of God, I called it a few weeks ago. I called it the the reign of God or the way of God, since we don't use the word kingdom a lot in our world. This is a good news kingdom, not a bad news kingdom. It is a good news kingdom coming in the midst of a lot of bad news. And so we see Jesus going around talking about and proclaiming, sharing that he is the king of a good news kingdom. He's sharing this good news of the kingdom of God. And when we talk about this good news, a lot of you might have heard us use the word gospel. Gospel means good news or, or good announcement, great announcement. And so Jesus comes and he's sharing this good news or this good announcement, and he's sharing the, the gospel. Uh, and the good news is that he is this true king, this good king of a good news kingdom. And here he comes into the scene And it's really good news in the midst of a lot of bad news. You are going to notice this year that we're going to tap into a resource all year long called The Bible Project. Who's now watched one of The Bible Project videos, either here or somewhere on your own? We've got them all on our resource site. This is a free resource. This guy named Tim Mackey, who's awesome, is narrating these. He's the co-founder of The Bible Project. And they made this video about the word gospel. And I think it will set up for us the rest of what we're going to talk about today. So check this out, and then we'll continue on. If you know any Christians, or if you happen to be one, you've probably heard the word gospel as a kind of summary of Christian belief, connected to phrases like, God loves you, or Jesus died for your sins. But over time, religious words like gospel can lose their power and meaning by becoming too familiar. So let's take a moment to rediscover what this important word, gospel, meant to the people who wrote the Bible. Gospel translates the Old Testament Hebrew verb, biser, and the noun, besorah. The Greek New Testament equivalent is euangelion, which is a compound word. Eu means good, and angelion means announcement. All of these words mean good news, but what kind of news? Well, in Hebrew, biser is what we might call national news, or a royal announcement. Like when King David hears a messenger biser that his army was victorious in battle. That means he still rules on his throne over the people of Israel. And after David dies, his throne is passed on to Solomon, his son. 
And when he was inaugurated as king in Jerusalem, a herald spreads the Besorah, that a new ruler is in charge. But after Solomon's death came a bunch of bad news kings, whose corruption led their nation into self-destruction. This is why the prophet Isaiah announced the good news that one day the God of Israel would come as the cosmic king to confront all corrupt and violent kingdoms and restore his rule over all nations. And so when Jesus of Nazareth hit the public stage, he continued Isaiah's gospel when he went around announcing the euangelion of God's kingdom. Jesus claimed that God was restoring his reign over his people Israel and over all nations, and he was the one bringing it all about. Now, the euangelion about a new king in charge means a new way of life. Jesus said that living in God's kingdom meant following him by putting down the sword and seeking peace through radical forgiveness and generosity, even toward your enemies. His good news required people to make a decision. This is why Jesus took his euangelion to Jerusalem to confront the corrupt and violent kingdoms of his day. But he challenged them in a surprising way with the power of God's generous love. As Jesus was being executed by his enemies, he received his crown and was mocked as a fake king. But he displayed true royal authority by forgiving his tormentors. Jesus was the one in charge that day, giving his life for the sins of others. And then, a few days later, everything changed. Jesus rose from the dead as the true king, whose love is stronger than death. He appeared to hundreds of his followers and told them to spread the euangelion, that all authority in heaven and on earth now belongs to him. And they did share this good news all over the ancient world. They did it by writing the four accounts of Jesus' life that are the gospel. That is, they tell the story of how Jesus brought God's kingdom, how he lived for others and died for their sins, and then was raised from the dead. Jesus' followers also shared the good news by simply talking about it. This is why Peter and Paul, or Priscilla and Aquila, traveled all around sharing the royal announcement. While it might look like the rulers of our world are in charge and can do whatever they want, the good news is that the crucified and risen Jesus is the true Lord of the world, the real king of all creation. And in Jesus' kingdom, things are different. It's where the real leaders are the servants, because the last are first, and the first go to the back of the line. It's where the hungry are fed and the homeless are welcome, because love is the most powerful reality of God's kingdom. And this good news is not easy to believe. It actually sounds kind of crazy when you first hear it, but something happens when people tell the story of Jesus and start living like he really is the king of the world. That's when this gospel becomes the best news that you've ever heard. Something happens when people tell the story of Jesus and start living like he really is the king of the world. You catch that? Something happens when people tell the story of Jesus and start living like he really is the king of the world. So I just have three questions I want us to think about today, take with us, okay? And the first one is this. Do we live like Jesus really is the king of the world? What would be different about our lives, our, the inside, our inside life? What would be different about our, our lives inside and out? What would be different if the Prince of Peace, I mean, did you catch that in Isaiah? The wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, Prince of Peace. If we had a wonderful counselor, if we had a Prince of Peace 
If he was really in charge, how might that change our lives from the inside out? The anxiety that we have on the inside, how would that change? And, and the worry that we face. And outward, how would that change the way that we love with, with love that we don't even have on our own? In the video, uh, Bible Project Tim says this. He says, Jesus is the new king, which means he's bringing a new way of life. Following him means seeking peace and radical forgiveness and generosity, even towards your enemies. His good news required people to make a decision he says. And the decision is this. If it's about a king and a kingdom, the, the decision is, will I surrender my life to follow King Jesus? Will I live his way, the way of, of love and radical generosity, and accept that that radical love and that radical generosity was something that offers forgiveness even to you and to me, no matter what? I mean, this is what is invited to us. And then Tim goes on to say, Jesus challenged the corrupt systems and leaders in surprising ways by the power of God's generous love, giving up his life. He said, he showed true royal authority by forgiving others, by giving his life for the sin of others. Rose from the dead as the true king whose love is stronger than death. People often ask me, why did Jesus have to die? I don't know. Could anything else prove how strong that love is than somebody whose love is stronger than death that comes back to life because of how much love, Jesus proved on the cross just how far he would go to show this radical love. And then he proved by coming back to life just how powerful that love actually is. So we've got this question, do we live like Jesus is really the king of the world? And I think if we are doing that, then what we're trying to do is to live the way of Jesus, living the way of Jesus. If we're gonna live the way of King Jesus, then we're trying to, and it's not easy, trying to live as though he truly is the king of this world. In the video, you hear that we're also invited to be good news sharers, right? We're going to be good news announcers, uh, just like Jesus was. He invites us to do that. At the very end of Matthew, as we're finishing up this book today, we see that the last few sentences of the book, the whole story that Matthew, as he's writing it down, the last few sentences, is Jesus commissioning us to be people who are good news tellers people who are good news sharers. In the midst of a lot of bad news, Jesus isn't saying that's not true, but he's saying in the midst of that, you're invited, you're commissioned, you're sent out to be good news tellers, announcers. Jesus had come back to life. He was appearing to hundreds of people, but then he had this appointment with his 11 disciples who were left still following him, and they were the people who'd been with him on this mission for years, right? Very close to him, and he's meeting back up with them. And I actually brought the message translation of Matthew 28, 16 through 20, the last few verses, maybe a little differently than some of you might have heard it in Eugene Peterson's translation. Listen to what it says. We'll put it on the screen. Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Meanwhile, the 11 disciples were on their way to Galilee, headed to the mountain that Jesus had set for their reunion. The moment they saw him, they worshiped him. Some, though, held back, not sure about worship, about risking themselves totally. These are the people who spent all this time with him. They see him coming back to life and they're still cautious. Man, I resonate with having that kind of fear if, if you're really assured of what you're following. And so some of even his closest followers are still unsure here. And he says, Jesus undeterred went right ahead and gave his charge. God authorized and commanded me to commission you. Go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life, this way marking them by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, then instruct them in the practice of all I've commanded you. I'll be with you as you do this day after day, right up until the end of the age. 
Authority was his, but God is authorizing and commissioning us. Jesus is authorizing and commissioning us to share this way of life, to share this good news with other people. So the second question I have for you is this. Even in the midst of the bad news, do we share the good news? This is really hard to do, okay? I would not probably want anyone to see an audit of all the things that I say in a day because I'm probably not that much better than Alexa, like the 20 20 minutes and the 30 seconds of the bad news and the good news. I mean, the temptation to be complaining and worrying and being negative is so strong. I'm sure I'm not the only one that feels that. And so some days I'm just as bad as Alexa. And I'm not sharing a lot of good news. We live sometimes as though bad news is king. I think that's what I get sucked into sometimes. We live as though bad news is king instead of the prince of peace being king. You see the difference? So I'm not talking about just being positive, think positive, talk positive. Absolutely not. Because this is a time where there is a lot of bad news. And so it's never been more relevant to figure out how to articulate good news in the midst of bad news. In fact, I think we shouldn't hide from the bad news or try not to listen to it or say, oh, I just want to go through my day without hearing it because a lot of people don't have that choice, first of all, because they're living the bad news. But then also, if we acknowledge the bad news, we appreciate the good news most in life when we're in the midst of bad news. We appreciate the good news the most in our life in the midst of bad news. I know this can be really hard for us to figure out how to do this. For a lot of us, what we've tried to, to, when we've tried to figure out how to talk about the words of King Jesus, it's kind of turned into trying to convince people of my religion or something like that. And I'm not even saying that's necessarily bad, but what if we were really trying to think, how can I talk about how good it is to join the way of King Jesus? What if we figured out how to talk about how the Prince of Peace offers peace in the midst of an anxious world, in the midst of the bad news? And then how good it is to live in forgiveness, even if we have to be reminded of that forgiveness all the time. To be able to have those chains that we carry around, knowing of what's been done to us, what we've done, all these things, we can live in freedom from that stuff. Man, that is good news. That's different, in my opinion, than talking about religion, hoping to convince somebody. But I am with you. It's really hard to figure out how to do this. Uh, On Friday, I went to a conference. It was a conference for people who are figuring out how to coach leaders. And it's not a Christian conference. It's not a a conference for pastors. It was for people coaching mostly business leaders. And so here I come. Well, I coach other pastors and ministry leaders. Here I am. And I'll be honest with you. On my way there, I felt a little bit nervous. Because as I'm driving and I'm thinking, oh, man, what what if people are confused? Or how am I going to talk about this? And what if it's weird? I don't know. I'm kind of awkward anyway. And I just want to be honest with you guys. I'm not just making a joke. Like, I can deal with some social anxiety sometimes. And I bet a lot of you do, too. Obviously, I'm outgoing, and I love that, but I get into spots where I don't know what to expect. It's really hard, isn't it? So I'm just praying on the way in, and I I totally want to advocate for this prayer. I'm praying on the way in, Holy Spirit, give me the words. I don't know what's going to be asked of me. I don't know what conversations I'm going to have, but Holy Spirit, will you give me the words? That was just my prayer for the day. And so I got there, and I had a couple of short conversations that went okay when people asked me what kind of coaching I did or what kind of role I have. Um, But then at lunch, I'm sitting down. I don't know who anybody at my table is, and I sit next to this woman. She seemed nice. And then she said, what do you do? And I said, why would you do that? (laughs) And I was like, um. And she's like, I mean, like, why, why did you do that? And then she noticed the look on my face of, you know, a lot of things. And she said, I mean, what's your story? (laughs) It was just hilarious. Here we are at this coaching conference, which is all about asking good questions. And she's, you know. So anyway, um, 
in that moment, I'll be honest with you, there was a piece of me that just wanted to be defensive. Like, lady, I don't even remember your first name. What are you asking me that for? But I'll, I'll tell you this. Like, I had prayed this prayer, and I felt like the Holy Spirit just filled me with, probably the best thing I can say is just a passion. Like, I, I just, it's like I couldn't not tell her the answer to her question, even though she asked it in a rude way, okay? And so I was filled with this passion to share with her what is so good to me about the good news that I so deeply believe that Jesus' followers can live the way of Jesus and live into this reality that I helped start a church trying to do that with other people, to say, hey, what if we tried to love our community in the name of Jesus because I think this way of Jesus thing is a game changer. I think it changes everything. And so she softened as I was talking and And then I just kept going because she seemed like she was still open to it. And I said, listen, let me tell you. Let me tell you about my community. My community is jumping into what God cares about all over the place, all over the world, all over the Twin Cities. Some of them are doing ministry work. Others are loving their coworkers in their marketplace in the name of Jesus, listening to them, even though some of those people are real hard to work with. There are people who are forgiving people who have really wronged them. There are people who are joining in what God's doing in justice or making wrong things right. They're figuring out what it looks like to care for the poor and the marginalized. These are people who are figuring out how we care for little kids like they're the most important thing. This is what my community is about. They're engaging with this. They're feeding hungry people. And our conversation started to come to a close and we were way in a totally other place from why did you do that, (laughs) okay? And so then she needed to go and she excused herself and then I didn't even realize this guy was on the other side of her and he looks at me and he pats the seat where she just left and he said, um, I couldn't help but eavesdrop, but um, would you sit here and talk with me? Could you tell me more about what God cares about? So I did. And I'll just tell you, like there, there, there is this reality, just like Bible Project Tim said, something happens when people tell the story of Jesus and start living like Jesus really is the king of the world. Something happens. Now, it wasn't a religious conversion at that lunch. That's not what happened. But what I know is that I had a really cool opportunity that I was freaked out about to talk about what is so good about who Jesus is in my life in a way that in the end, I don't think they thought was that weird. And then I had a long conversation with that other guy. Even in the midst of bad news, do we share the good news? That's the question. Are we sharing the words of Jesus, sharing the royal announcement? that in Jesus' kingdom, things are different. And so that brings us to our final question, which is this. Will we be good news people? Some of you have heard me use that phrase before. Will we be good news people and join God's work in the world? Will we be good news people and join God's work in the world? I really believe this is true, at least on a good day. I really believe that God's love is the most powerful reality in this world. There's other days where I don't live like that, but I think In the deepest parts of myself, I believe that God's love is the most powerful reality, the most powerful thing in this world. And if we've received God's love through Jesus and our relationship with him, then that means we have the power of that love to compel us to be good news people. What does a day look like when we're open to Jesus' most powerful love in the world be what is our engine, which what compels us? There are some days when I think I wouldn't need as much coffee if that really was what was compelling me, living the way of Jesus as though Jesus is king, sharing the words of Jesus in, that he loves us, that there's peace offered to us, still doing everything else that I do in a normal day, but being compelled by this love. Do you hear what I'm saying? But then also living out the works of Jesus, the way of Jesus, the words of Jesus, and the works of Jesus. These invitations that we have. 
Jesus is saying here in Matthew 28, I'm giving you, I'm lending you my spiritual authority to do the same works that you saw me do. To speak healing over people. To say to evil, you need to be gone in the name of Jesus. To say, this is a wrong thing and I'm gonna join in and making it right. And I'm not gonna give up even if I don't see it happen. Jesus is lending his authority to us. That's what he was doing there in Matthew 28. So here, put this on the screen for me, Adam, my final sentence. This is what I hope you can take with you today. God's invitation to us is to live in the way of Jesus, share the words of Jesus, and join in the works of Jesus in the world that God loves. The first person that told me this phrase was my friend Joe Saxton. She's a mentor and friend of mine. I think it's been nine years since she told me this, and I'll tell you that this is one of the most powerful realizations I've had in my life that this invitation is one I can choose every day. And some days I get it a little bit, other days I don't at all. But this has been one of the most powerful invitations to me, to live in the way of Jesus, to share the words of Jesus, and join in the works of Jesus in the world that God loves. And I don't know what that'll look like for each of you this week. You know what, though? It's probably not going to look like something that anyone's going to put through the Alexa speakers. It's probably not something that someone's going to put on the front page of the newspaper. Because that's not where good news goes, does it? Good news is something that we get to live out in all these spaces. So I don't know what that is for you. It probably doesn't mean you're going to change anything in your schedule this week. It probably means it's going to change how you exist in the schedule you already have. And I don't know what that is, but I challenge you to accept that invitation today. I challenge you to accept that invitation. The band's going to come up. And um, like I said, I wish I could tell you the, the first thing you need to do and the, what this invitation means for you, but I believe that God's Holy Spirit will. And if you say to the Holy Spirit, what is the way? If you say to the Holy Spirit, give me the words. And if you say to the Holy Spirit, I want to step into these works that Jesus did. In my experience, something happens every single time you pray that prayer. Um, we're going to finish today with a prayer that's attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. Maybe some of you have, have heard it before. It's usually called the Prayer of Peace. And um, we don't actually think that St. Francis wrote it, but it came out of the Catholic Church in Paris, in France. And I really uh, want to read it to you today and read it over you today because I think of this prayer as a way and words and works prayer. And then the worship team, as we go into our time of communion, is actually going to lead us in a song that's based on this prayer. So we'll put this prayer up on the screen and let me read it for you as we close. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O oh, divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen.